Hi, I'm Karen. And I'm Kaz. You are listening to Inspiring Pearls of Wisdom. Stay tuned for the next hour as friends have fun sharing many insightful gems which will allow you to realize and value that we are all unique. Yes, we are all unique. You're listening to Radio Northern Beaches 88.7 and 90.3, your community radio station. Hello, Kaz. Good afternoon, Karen. How are you today? Excellent, as always. Exactly. And we know why, don't we? It's a choice. Exactly. And that's what people don't understand. Exactly right. If you want to be grizzly guts, you can be. But if you want to be happy guts, you can be as well. Exactly. So, what's today's theme? Today, I just want to read this out and just okay. um, you tell me what today's is about. Okay. The future belongs to the curious, the ones who are not afraid to try it, explore it, poke at it, question it, and turn it inside out. Oh. There could be a few things in that one. It could be explore or poke or question. Which one is it? Today, it is explore. Oh, cool. And we've got a special guest in the studio today who is a man. <laughs> <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just But a, we quite often have women. Yeah, as we probably guests. had about 90% women. So it's really nice today to nice. welcome Jonathan Sharp. Okay, well, let us know who, what he's all about. Jonathan, okay. He, and he's had more career and life changes of direction than most of us. And that's, I feel, that's so why So is he really today, old then? No, he's actually not really old. But that's why it is Explore. Because I'll just tell you a little bit about Jonathan and then you'll understand why our theme today is Explore and why he's chosen that. Okay. Because he has done a lot of exploring. So he originally came from England. And these are a few of the careers that he has uh, been involved in. He's been a chef a hotel manager, professional rugby player, a sailor, a Disney World cast member. Oh, that sounds exciting. I know. Actor, cruise ship officer, sales manager, marketing manager, and he now runs Ripple Marketing, a multi-location marketing agency. He currently lives on the Northern Beaches with his wife, Alex, and his three children, Matilda, Eden, and Bailey. He finally got the boy. (laughs) (laughs) So welcome, Jonathan. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, it's our pleasure, Jonathan. I'm really excited about chatting with you because I've known you for quite a while now mm. and we're going to go to the Disney character well, because I did it. not know that one. I can't believe I missed that one. I've heard you talk many times yep. but I've missed that one. So which one were you? Well, if you've ever been to Disney, Disney World is, is different than Disneyland where there's one part. There's like five or six different parks yes. and in Epcot Centre there's a, a place called the World Showcase. And there's a big lake with 12 countries around the world. And each of those pavilions is manned by people from that country. So I represented the UK and I was dressed as um, (laughs) in the the Disney image of what an English person is. Okay. So it was very kind of Mary Poppins. I was going to say bowler hat? No, no, no. It was kind of pedal pushers, long socks, buckles, shoes, that very Victorian, like a frilly shirt. Oh, okay. And basically I worked in in the UK pavilion representing England, um, but also working in hospitality. So, so what did you do So I was a when waiter you were there. dressed a, like that? Well, there's a, there's a pub, oh, okay. uh, an English pub called the Rose and Crown. An English pavilion wouldn't be a pavilion without the, the Rose and Crown pub. My main job was to basically just work and, and um, wait on the guests. 
But what you also have to do is you, you also have to kind of go out to local schools and lecture the kids on what it's like to come from England and kind oh, of teach okay. them about the difference between where they're from versus where we're from. It's kind of a, a cross between a hospitality job and a, an on-stage acting job. Okay, cool. It was great. How old were you? I was 21. Oh, okay. And how did you get into that? Well, basically, that's, that's one of the reasons that I came up with the word explore. Mm. So we were going to so ask you that. I kind of went through a, a, a bit of a journey. I, um, I studied languages at school. Fano was very, very good at them. Um, Which ones? Uh, Spanish, French, and then I did some Russian as well. Are you good at music as well? Oh. No. Oh, that's interesting. I, I, uh, I can appreciate music and I'm good at various parts, but I can't play it. I never, I don't have the discipline to, to play an instrument. Okay, because I always heard if you're good at languages, picking them up. Yeah, apparently it's the same. Yeah, thing. part of your brain. Yeah, obviously mine was missing a little bit. <laughs> <clears throat> um, so uh, when I realised that um, I was good at languages, went out and got a job in languages and realized that the job wasn't for me i loved the languages i loved the studying but the actual job was boring what was the job because so i was someone... doing some junior translating yeah work. i was going to say for people that so what, I like know at the of... un or something for any for the immigration yeah. department okay. so Just... it was um picture it as, in as sitting like in a very very a big spy room or something like yeah that. i wish well that that was kind of what i wanted to, i <laughs> yeah. wanted to kind of get into the diplomatic thing. oh now yeah. we're going to be james bond yeah, yeah well <laughs> yeah you know look good in a suit um but it, you imagine yourself good. in a big warehouse, you know, loads and loads of little cubicles, oh. little pieces of paper being mm. handed to you. There's no context around it. it was, yeah. It's just boring. Yep. It's just it, it, it didn't challenge you particularly. Mm. It just so it you could have done the same amount of it. No, it wasn't not, a face-to-face. Face. And you're that, very much a people person. Yeah. But I didn't know that then. Okay. Um, it, look, the job sounded fantastic, yeah. but it just, it just wasn't. Yeah. So I went back and I retrained as a chef. Went back to college, retrained as a chef. Um, so and the, the only chef. reason, uh, well, uh, I went through and did a chef qualification, uh, chef apprenticeship. I ended up as a soup and sauce chef. Okay. But I got some very good advice from um, a chef Gordon you Ramsay. Might know called Gordon from Gordon Ramsay. Yes. Seriously, you know, yeah. I did know it was Gordon Ramsay. And wow. I, the advice he gave to me was, was get you're out not now. The, You're not the world's best chef. I was going to say, <laughs> it would have been colourful. <laughs> Actually, of all the people, it's amazing what you see. Of all the people, of all the people I've worked for, he was probably the most helpful and, and mm. generous with his advice, and not in a bad way. He was, he was yeah, very yeah, creative. Yeah. So, look, he, he gave me some advice to say, look, in this industry, unless you are outstanding, you're never particularly going to get anywhere. You're good, but not brilliant. Yeah. So, I went on and trained as a, a hotel manager, and mm-hmm. found that really, really interesting. I was the probably the world's oldest student at hotel training school because I'd already been how, back. How old were you then? 27, 28? No, I was uh, 20, well, I was, I was 21, but everyone that was on my course was j- skipped A-levels and was 17, 18. Yeah. Um, As for hotel managers, wow. Yeah, because it, it was it's one of those... It's a hospitality training thing. Yeah, because okay. you, you do, become you do a it in manager. stages, so you kind okay. of do a, like a Cert 4 in yeah. hospitality or the, the English equivalent. Um, and when I... When I did that, in the UK, if you do a practical degree, you do a year out in industry. I decided that I didn't want to go and work in the same hotel in Birmingham, in the middle of England, that I'd been working on part-time all that time. I wanted to travel with my year out. And I heard that Disney were recruiting and recruiting people for the World Showcase. And I put it to my college to say, I'd, I'd like to do this. And I was told a flat no. Oh. And the reason I was told a flat no is... Um, it takes quite a long time to negotiate the contracts for a whole year out. Yeah, of course. And the college were worried that I wasn't going to get the job. And the um, they told me that 5,000 people apply for every one job. And I wouldn't get it. 
Yeah. Basically that. And then it would be too hard to find me a place after that. So they said no. I said, well, excuse me, but stuff you. That's what I'm going to go and do. And I researched and researched about what I thought Disney were looking for. Mm. If, they, if they interview 5,000 people and give you one job, what are they after? Who are they after? And I read everything I could. And the night before, I read a, um, a, a book by Walt Disney. And in the kind of the inside cover, the dust cover, yeah. it had a quote on it. And it said something along the lines of, I make up my mind about in the first seven seconds. Everything else is irrelevant. Yeah. Worse to that effect. So I went out, I, I drove very late at night to my dad's house and borrowed a, a navy blazer, a, a pair of grey trousers, a white shirt, the loudest tie I could find, <laughs> and a big kind of floral handkerchief <laughs> spilling out my pocket. In, in my we mind, all have what, that visual well, thing. In my it. mind, what the Americans thought of British people. Yes. So I sat in this um, college. True enough, there was about 15,000 people there for, for a handful of jobs. And everyone got about 10 minutes to go in and, and impress them. And when, the, when they called my name, every single other person was in a dark suit. Yep. And when they called my name, I, I opened the door and said, Jonathan Sharp, you can forget about the rest because you found what you're looking for. Oh. And I literally, I literally got a tip <laughs> there and then. And it was the first time that I'd ever come across marketing, if you like. What are people after? Yeah. Um, and it, that, that kind of one decision kind of steered where I was going from then. So yeah, so that's what I did at Disney and, and it was the most fun time I've ever spent. Wow, um, yeah. It's probably one of the, the best companies to work for in that they know exactly what they want from, from an employee and they're going to get it. And some people call it brainwashing. Well, so be it. They know what they're, they're yeah. going to get. But good yeah. on you for doing that research and then walking in and being so confident to say, well, I'm, I'm who you need. I've, I've, never you been, I've never been unconfident. My parents were both actors. So I've never been unconfident, um, but it, it, it took – I had sweaty palms walking into mm. the place, you know, yeah. putting that on the risk. But um, look, it worked and it steered a lot of the decisions that I've made uh, from now on and it steered a lot of um, job decisions that I've made. It was your foundation. Yeah, exactly. How long were you there for? A year. So they only ever grant you a one-year visa. Because oh, there's so okay. many people that come through. Yes, yes. So their whole thing is that they get fresh people all yeah. the way through. So you get a yeah. one-year visa and that's it. Yeah. And how was the Aussie guy dressed? Uh, there isn't actually an Aussie, Aussie pavilion. Or there wasn't What there. the hell? <laughs> I know, I know. They had a uh, like a kiosk at one point. Is that which because was... they don't realise Australia's here? <laughs> yeah, well, they, 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 think you, they think it's Austria. They, they just don't get it. Um, there is a pavilion. Arnie has a lot to I know, answer for. I know. There is a pavilion there which is just kind of like a little cafe and it's manned by... Uh, people from New Zealand, Australia, and South Africa. How they've bunched those three groups yeah, together, I've got no idea. I know why, because they're all south of the equator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway. So, um, no, but they didn't wear any particular costume. I think there should be an Australian pavilion. Exactly. Yeah, but there may be now. Maybe it's just because we're so far away, which will now lead us into our first song for the day. Very good, Kaz. Yeah. Mm. What is our first our song? Our first song t- today is by Hoodoo Gurus, so our Australian artists. Yeah, we've and got a couple today. 1,000 Miles Away. So enjoy, everybody. Welcome back. You're listening to Inspiring Pearls of Wisdom with Karen and Kaz on Radio Northern Beaches 88.7 or 90.3, your community radio station. Jonathan, interesting choice. Jonathan chose the whole five songs today, and I love it when people do that. So thank you, Jonathan. Yeah. You're welcome. Look, music's always, always, because I travelled so much, um, I always missed the, the top ten on the radio. I never listened to the top ten. Yep. So I always kind of missed what was going on. So all of the music I've chosen is kind of, it all reminds me of different 
parts of kind of what I was doing. Um, and the first one is just one of my kind of all-time favourites, and it just reminds me of travel. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've spent so much time in airports and so much time on planes and, and, and ships, ships and all sorts of things. So, you know, it's just – it's a real feel-good crank up in the car and think back of where I've been. Yeah, kind of song. totally. So what brought you to Australia? I, I've been around the world a lot of times. I was on ships for over 11 years. There's very few places. And ships doing what? So I, I started off as a receptionist. Started off as a junior receptionist on, <laughs> yep. the, on the front. So cruise, seen, sh- cruise liners. Cruise, you don't mean princess in, cruises. You don't mean in a defence force yeah. way. No, 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 no. Okay. Um, so um, yeah, started off as a, um, a junior receptionist. Um, got flown out to Alaska thinking that I was going as a chef. Um, got out there and then they went, well, we don't take British chefs. So here's the officer Because uniform. they don't like British food? No, no, there's various particular <laughs> nationalities that do very particular jobs on oh, the ships. Okay. Um, right. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, I don't know whether it's still the same, but it certainly, you know, back it in... It was back then. Uh, yeah. When did I go to sea? 94. Yeah. Um, so um, gave, me, gave me a uniform, said, you, you know, you're a junior receptionist. It was the best thing that ever happened because um, it was a junior officer position. I got, you know, a, a much better life at sea than I would have done if I'd have joined as a junior Where'd chef. Where'd you sleep? Better place to sleep? Be- better, better conditions, better, uh, better pay, better, better place to sleep. So cool. as a junior receptionist, junior hotel officer, you know, I, I shared a, a cabin with one other person. Um, but, it's, you know, it's a private bathroom and there's a steward and, you know, it's all very nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, and as a, you know, 21-year-old, 22-year-old, it was great. To yeah. me, it's luxury. You know. Good. Mum's still looking yeah, after well, me. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> what do you mean I don't have to iron and everything else? It was great. <laughs> so I started off as that, and I thought someone else can pay me to go around the world for a, for a year. And 11 years later, I was still doing it. Um, wow, that's a long time. And I got to the, the rank of um, chief purser, so hotel manager, and loved it. It was the hardest work ever, um, but it was the most rewarding work that I've ever done. In can what I- way? Well, picture yourself as being a hotel manager in charge of a very, very large hotel. So, yep. you know, the largest ship I, I worked on was the Caribbean Princess, which is, um, I don't know, 3,500 passengers and another 1,700 crew. Yeah, I was going to oh, say. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot of people. Um, a lot of reports directly to me as running the hotel services. Yep. So that's the hotel part. Um, but the other part is if the fire alarms go off, you're yeah. the fire people as well. Yeah. Um, if, um, you know, if something happens on board, you've got to deal with it. If, you know, God forbid there's a, there's a death someone, on board, you know, you've, got to, ju- you've got to do it. Someone yeah. jumps. So it's like, it's like a cross between being um, a hotel manager and the mayor of a small town. Yep, I can imagine It's the that. only way you, yeah. kind of, you can yeah. describe it. But the reason that it's hard work is there's a lot of, you know, 1,700 crew from 40 different countries. Mm. Um, that brings its own problems and that brings its own problems that um, I'd never particularly understood. You know, I remember going down to a cabin and finding two people from two different Eastern European countries having a very heated argument. Well, there's politics there that I just don't understand. I've got no interest in, in, yes. in understanding. But, you know, mm-hmm. trying to talk them down from that when you don't really understand well, what the issue is. there's thousands of years of issues. Exactly, and you're never going to change that just yes. by, you know, so... You know, it, it, that presents its own problems. But also, you know, my contract was six months on, six weeks off. And for so those six months on, um, I was on call 24 hours a day for six months. Um, and it sounds worse than it is. It sounds like, it, you know, it, it's a, a hell job. It's not a job. It's a way of life. Yeah, that makes sense. Your whole life gets taken over by So you ships. don't have a day off when you're on board? No. You get, okay. you get 
um, a number of hours off. Yeah, um, so okay. if we put, chances are, if we you were in Alaska, for example, well, if we were in Alaska, for example, um, you'd get three hours off when you pulled into Juneau, but chances are next week you've also got three hours off so you can explore. So over a season, you see the whole port. Okay. And it, back to your question, the re- reason I ended up in Australia mm-hmm. is is there's very few places I've been to the world, in the world that I would actually live. There's lots of places I'd go back and visit, mm. but there's only probably two or three cities that I've been to that I'd go, yeah, I could live here. And, and Sydney was yeah. the one, um, you know, sailing into the harbour. Oh, when, so what, um, and when did you come here? Was it winter, summer, you know, like... Uh, it was January. Uh, so right it was in the January, middle of summer. Yeah, well, it was January 2000, 2004, and... I got posted here as a, a secondment to the P&O office down here. Okay. Um, and I, the job wasn't very good, but I actually met my wife and decided then that being at sea was great fun, but it wasn't a great um, career for someone with a partner. Oh, and yeah. um, I, I never went back to sea after that. So you literally went, if this is it, yep. which just so happens to be yeah, absolutely. the name of our next song. If this is it, I'm exactly. saying. Exactly. <laughs> but the song is "If This Is It" by Newton Faulkner. And this this was actually a, a, exactly that kind of period of, of my life as well. So this is a special oh, song as well. Perfect. Enjoy, everyone. Welcome back. You've been listening to Inspiring Pearls of Wisdom with Karen and Kaz on eighty eight point seven and ninety point three. Your community radio station. Wow, thank you for that song, Jonathan. I love the little drumming bit at the end. Yeah, so did I. But it, Newton Faulkner, yeah. I've like I had heard the song before, but I hadn't really known. It, if you ever get a chance to to go onto YouTube and have a look, just just type in New, Newton Faulkner. Um, he's probably one of the most talented guitar players I've ever seen. So all of the all of the sounds that you hear in a lot of his songs, he does on the guitar. So that kind of background that almost sounds like a violin in the background. He's kind of vibrating the guitar as he's playing and stuff. If you ever get a look, go and have a look. He can make a guitar make more sounds than a whole orchestra. Well, we actually post links to all the songs that we play so our listeners can go to our Facebook page and pick it up. Perfect. Which is excellent. So, Kaz, you're pointing at me to ask a question. (laughs) Well, I'm interested about the professional rugby player part there, Jonathan. Yeah, for a a short time. When I was at, um, at college... Um, rugby was going through a big change in the UK and it was going from an amateur sport to a professional sport. Um, and I was playing for a, a club called Mosley, which is a, a Birmingham side at the time. Um, and more by, by default and luck than anything else that I happened to kind of go from playing park rugby that um, I enjoyed as, a, as a, a hobby to all of a sudden it turning professional overnight and people and getting paying paid me to play. For it. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Although it's- the pay was more kind of... You know, you, you travel expenses and a, yeah. and a couple of beers in the local pub, but it was still a professional sport for is, the first Is years. Birmingham a middle-class area? Birmingham's a, um, uh, back, it was a very working-class area, uh, yeah. a very working-class industrial city. Um, now it's a very cosmopolitan city and, and a very underrated city in the UK. It's kind of right slap bang in the middle. Um, it, there's still a lot of industry, but there's, they've, they've smartened it up in a lot of the areas in the UK um, have really changed over the last 10 years. Yeah. Birmingham is still one of my one of my favourite cities, and you say that to a lot of English people and they kind of turn the nose up. Um, but if, if you get a chance to go back and have a look, it's actually a very smart cosmopolitan city. So where's the industry gone? <clears throat> it's not as though there's a lot of space. <laughs> I think England has got a very a, a, a talent for finding space. I mean, 70 oh, okay. odd, 74 odd thousand, or 74 odd million people 
you know, living in an area less than New yeah, South Wales. Exactly. Um, well, there's nearly three times up. The, I think the industry has changed. I mean, okay. the, the centre of England was um, what they call the, the, the birthplace of industry. So it was where, um, you know, Ironbridge, where, which is very close to where I lived, uh, was all about the iron, um, iron industry and the mm-hmm. Industrial Revolution. First iron bridge um, in, in the world, as far as I'm aware. Okay. Um, so it was a very much that manufacturing and iron industries. And it, I think industry has now changed. So a yeah. lot of it is automation, a lot of it is offshore. Um, and in those gaps, I think Birmingham has turned into, the, and that Midlands has turned into a very um, diverse little little ecosystem. Okay. It's very good. Excellent. Is that where you grew up? Uh, I grew up, I'm from all over the place. I grew uh, I was born in Yorkshire. <laughs> no wonder it's explored. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, I was born in Yorkshire, in Sheffield, which is, a, again, a very industrial city. Um, moved to Leicester, um, which is... Well, that's um, on my Monopoly board. Yeah, well, <laughs> Leicester Square is. Um, Leicester, Leicester is, a, um, again, fairly, um, fairly different county. Um, my parents were both from, from Leicester. Um, again, parts of it were very industrial, parts of it were very rural. Um, went to Worcestershire, which is on the English-Welsh border. Um, went to school down in Kent on the south coast and then moved back up to Shropshire, which is where my parents have been ever since. And Shropshire is kind of the next um, next county onto the West Midlands and Birmingham. So it was the closest university that did okay. hotel management. So how do your parents feel about you having grandkids in Australia and they're all the way over there? They were supposed they to about, visit often? They were supposed to be 10-pound palms in the 70s. Oh, wow. <clears throat> so in 72, they, they apparently had got all the visas and everything else. And I was born early on the way to the medical office to get their paperwork all done. In a so, hurry to get here, were and we? And I think I spoiled their plans and stopped them from being £10 pounds poms. Oh, really? So now, 40-odd years later, where I'm over here and they're still over there and now they've got three grandkids over here. Oh. Are uh, you an only child or do you have brothers no, and I've sisters? No, I've got a younger sister, but she hasn't got any kids. Um, so, I, look, they would love to live out here. They would love to come out here permanently. I believe um, it's very expensive and um, very long... It, um, it can be a very long process. process. Yeah. Um, and it's quite a complicated process. Realistically, if when I first came over here, if they'd have registered then for a visa, by now they would have been over here. Yeah. But they've kind of missed the boat now. Mm. So they they come out here as often as they can. Yeah. Um, they were out here only a few months ago. Uh, it's the first time they'd seen Bailey. Oh. So, um, yeah, they get over here as often as they can, but monetary means it's difficult. Yeah. So Skype and things like that are how you connect? We Skype at least once a week. Yeah. Um, and they've watched the kids grow up on Skype. That's, it's amazing, so, isn't it? And it's nice because when they do come out there and when they do see them face-to-face, the kids recognise them. Yeah. Because yes. they see them every week. <clears throat> so yeah, because Kaz has grandkids in Queensland. Yeah. Mm. And she says that too, if they don't see each other all the time, they yeah, do Yeah, if forget. I go up there and I haven't seen them for a while because they're only little yep. and they don't know who you are, it breaks my heart. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> my my mum, you know, is in tears all the time because she doesn't get to give my kids a, a hug. Yeah. And yeah. Skype is wonderful and I, I, I can't imagine as being in the same situation 10 years ago when yeah. things like Skype were, were not, not around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but look, you know, thankful for technology and, um, you know, it plays a really nice part, but it's not the same as a hug. Yep. So that leads us into our third song for today, which is from another Australian artist. Yes, Thirsty Merc. Yeah. Yeah, and today we're going to listen to In the Summertime. So enjoy, everybody. Welcome back. You're listening to Inspiring Pearls of Wisdom with Karen and Kaz on Radio Northern Beaches 88.7 and 90.3. Please like us on our Facebook page, 
inspiring pearls of wisdom. That, that was, was that was a great song, considering we're just having a super long summer. Yeah, <laughs> at present, <laughs> yeah, we are. That that song kind of reminds me of me sailing into Sydney for the first time. Yeah, it was I can kind of you know Aussie artist, all about the summer, all about good times, and that was the kind of the, the impression I got of Sydney when I first came in. Yeah, yeah, cool. and that's probably why our health issues aren't that great because we all do <laughs> live that lifestyle, yeah. don't we? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm particularly guilty of that. Although I'm trying to get better now, <laughs> mm. as we all are. Jonathan, um, considering that exploration is the essence of the human spirit, what led you into your current career of marketing? I never had a particularly marketing background. I'd done uh, graphic design courses and I was always kind of interested in IT more than Mm -hmm. anything else. And then when I came off uh, ships in 94 and got together with Alex, my wife, um, we wanted to set up a business, more of a hobby than anything else. I didn't know what I wanted to do, you know. Did she um, have any thoughts about what she wanted to do? Or? Well, she, but both of us kind of come from an acting background. My parents were actors. Alex has, has been an actor and, a, and uh, was very good at singing at one point and all, all sorts of things at one point. I say, she's going to kill me for that. <laughs> and so when I was over in the UK, myself and my parents used to act in murder mystery events. So we used to do corporate murder I mystery events. I love oh, yeah. murder mystery nights. So when I came over here in 94, I looked around for something to do and couldn't find a company that was doing what we used to do in the UK. Uh, and we do it a little bit different where we, we bring five actors into a, a corporate event, write a script around the, the group, and act, essentially over a period of two hours act out a murder and everyone has to solve it. I wanted to set that up as a, as a bit of a feel-good, can I kind of do it, and, you know, a bit of a hobby. And I got some fairly bad advice from a marketing person and some fairly bad advice from a, a web developer and got a little bit ripped off. Yep. And I made a commitment back then that I was going to start a marketing agency that wasn't what they had just told me. So it yep. wasn't the traditional ad- advertising agency. And then I probably forgot about it for several years and, and went and worked in um, uh, travel companies and hospitality companies, always in sales and marketing. Yep. So I was national sales manager and then went into national marketing manager um, and got in to do... In different industries so that you sort of... In, in different industries, um, kind of a, a nice progression, um, travel agency into... Uh, hospitality industry into a so that gives government. you a broad area of what exactly what those industries require, which are probably not all exactly the same. Exactly, but yeah. and then kind of I fell into not for profit and uh, government organisations, which kind of gave me a, a, a different um, a different perspective. Did and you do your head in? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't do bureaucracy very well. Yeah, um, I don't do kind of office politics and things and it it really started to uh, to wind me up a bit so then the other kind of thing that um kind of held my career up a little bit was um as you know I've got three kids um two of them were very sick when they were born um and when Matilda was born and when Eden were born I basically gave up work to look after them so my career has kind of gone up and down so the last time when I gave up work for big for Eden um, I found myself, again, not knowing what I wanted to do. And I decided that it was about time I put my money, my mouth where, no, my money where my mouth is, and started up a marketing agency. And on the, the, pretty much at, the, at that time, I, I saw an advert for someone who was setting up a franchise company doing marketing. And I applied to them and, and got that job and was franchisee number one. Uh, got a free franchise to help kind of set it up um, and loved it. And for the first time, didn't have to particularly answer to anyone and mm. didn't have to play bureaucracy, didn't have to play politics, um, and found that I was actually good at it. 
the franchise group didn't particularly work um, uh, for various reasons with the, with the company. But um, I bought out my office and two of the other successful offices and started Ripple overnight. And, um, uh, and Ripple Marketing was, was literally me trying to be the anti-marketing agency agency. Um, so um, I, I, want, I didn't want to work for anyone else. I didn't want to do the accepted things that an advertising agency does. Um, and I'm loving it. And, you know, it's allowed me to kind of specialize in a few different areas. And between the three offices, we've, we've pretty much become an all-under-one-roof marketing agency. Okay, yeah, and, the, and the name Ripple, to me, I, I know what it uh, means to me. But yep. Ripple, Ripple to, to me you. was, um, I literally had to come up with a name and a logo and a website literally overnight. Um, and I was sitting on the, on the sofa with, um, with Alex and we were talking about what marketing is. And I like the idea that you don't have to spend a lot of money to get on top of the highest building and shout in the highest voice about what your message is, mm-hmm. the right whisper in the right ear can do the same effect. So that, that ripple effect. Yes. Yeah. Um, and also the fact that marketing should be fluid. It should be, it, it is ever changing. It should all be, always be worked yeah. on. It's not something that you just do and then leave. Yeah. Mm. And so, that's the way we ripple. Exactly. Mm. Although, uh, you know, the, the, the logo and everything else, um, I, I do get a little bit of stick because people say it's nipple marketing. Um, which is fine. That's Australians. Well, if you actually go to <laughs> nipplemarketing.com, you actually get a page that says you have a dirty mind. It's actually Ripple, and then it takes you back to Ripple. Oh. And, I've kept, and I've kept it with a little R, so it looks a little bit like it on purpose. Oh, good on you. <laughs> anyway, we're going to now go into our fourth song, which is one of my favourite bands or groups or whatever. My all-time favourite. Yeah. And it's Queen, Don't Stop Me Now. Welcome back. You've been listening to Inspiring Pearls of Wisdom with Karen and Kaz on Radio Northern Beaches 88.7 and 90.3. If there's something that you've really enjoyed in our show today and you'd like to follow up on that, please go to our Facebook page, Inspiring Pearls of Wisdom. I love Freddie. Amazing. Can't beat it. Nobody can work the crowd or nobody could work the crowd like Freddie. Yeah, I agree. He's amazing. Oh, maybe Tina Turner. <laughs> <laughs> got a Tina Turner freak. She's got the the wig, the whole bit. I, what, what I find so funny is every time I go fancy dress, Tina Turner, all, I just grab everything out of my wardrobe. <laughs> it's all in there. Uh, exactly. I, I actually went to a fancy dress party two weeks ago as Freddie Mercury in uh, dressed with the vacuum cleaner and the stockings. Oh and yes. the, the whole thing. And what um, did you I do for the tea? Did you change the tea? No, I had a big moustache <laughs> and I had the wig. <laughs> hmm. That'd be a good one. <laughs> I'd like you to share that with us so we can put it on our Facebook page, Inspiring Pearls. Uh, me and my big mouth. <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan. So we always ask people if they have any quotes or um, any favourite quotes or if you have any gems you'd like to share with our listeners. Look, my, my, I guess the, the reason that I came up with the word explore was, to me, explore is, is quite a few different things. Obviously the travel part, but it's also... Um, me exploring uh, where priorities lie when my kids were sick um, and also exploring what I'm capable of with my, with my job. I'm always kind of led to believe that um, when you get a little bit older, so in 20 years from now, I'll regret the things that I didn't do far more than things that I did do. Um, so I've got a, a nice quote that says, throw off the bowline, sail away from the safe harbor, catch the trade winds in your sails, explore, dream and discover. Mm, yeah, I love that. 
and we could actually go even further with the explore quote and actually go, yeah. only when we are brave enough to explore the darkness will we discover the infinite power of our light. Very nice. Very nice. It is a big world out there, so we should all get yeah, out there. But I'm and talking about explore. the one within. Yeah, exactly. Because a lot well, the, of us don't not, like going within. One, I, not everything is always going to go to plan. You know, I, there's certainly things that, you know, have happened to me in the last, you know, 10 years since I've been over here that um, weren't at all to plan. Yeah. Both with mm. business, with family, you know, with all sorts of things. But as long as you learn from them, yeah. as long as you kind of take something experience and you don't make the same mistakes, mm. I guess. It um, must be exciting too, to, in the marketing area, to explore new avenues of marketing. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Things are changing all the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a, um, if you've ever seen a, an old, uh, well, an old movie, a movie from about 10 years ago called the um, uh, Tom Cruise movie. Uh, Minority Report. Yeah, it's a sci-fi movie, pure sci-fi. But there's a, a part where um, Tom Cruise walks into a Benetton store, so a clothing store, mm-hmm. and it scans his eyes as he walks in, and it says, "Oh, hi, Mr. Smith. How were those tank tops for you?" And oh. you know, and oh, here's some recommendation oh, wow. thing. Oh. Now that that when that came out, that was pure sci-fi. Yeah, things are going that way. Yeah. I mean, mm. you you can actually get things that scans your phone. Yeah. as you walk into places yeah. or past places and gets information from you and then recommends it, you know, the right thing to you. I can remember years ago, Bill Gates had his house like that. Yes. That when he would walk in, it would just put the lights the certain way he wants it. It would, yep. I don't know if it poured him his drink, but it was not far oh, off I'm it. Oh, that sounds like you're in the Jetsons. Oh, absolutely. Oh. <laughs> Sci- sci-fi is the, is the basis of, of pretty much a lot of what we do. I mean, you know, a yeah. hundred years ago, Oh, yeah, 30 years ago, the fact that we've got a device in our pocket that can tell us every piece of knowledge that ever was, mm. was unheard of. It was pure sci-fi. Yeah. But now it's just a reality. You know, our iPhone or, you know, the smartphone is, is just what we have. So people that ignore sci-fi or, or, or tell you that you're on the wrong track because you've got an imagination yeah. are, are, are closing themselves off. But it's so, the imagination that creates our life. 100%. Yeah. You, can, you know, you can actually do a degree in Star, Star Trek, the science really? around Star Trek. Wow. Um, so, you know, all of the things that were sci-fi back in the 60s, yeah. you know, half of them are real now. They've made them happen. So, you know, marketing's going down that way as well. You know, we're gone still waiting the... for our um, Back to the Future, you know, the, wobble boards the, or whatever. The, the, the hoverboard and the, the flying cars. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I'd, I'd like a time machine that, you know, can go back and tell me a few of the lessons that I should have learned back then. But, uh, you know. <laughs> Isn't it always the stock market or whatever? It is yeah, well, I'd like that as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> buy, buy, buy Microsoft shares. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. So, Jonathan, we have, where can our guests um, get in contact with you? So, my website is ripplemarketing.com.au. Yep. Um, and um, it, uh, otherwise, the, the phone number one eight hundred Ripple, um, and we've got three offices around Northern Beaches, Surrey Hills, and uh, Gordon, and, and we're what do you on do the expansion. Mostly marketing for like just um, um, obviously small for business. Yeah, well, all, all three offices have got their own speciality. Okay. My particular speciality is website and graphic design. Okay, yeah. So I enjoy working for my, my, my ideal client is someone who has started up a business realized a year or two down the line that they've kind of got it wrong and mm. go back and do it again with a few lessons that they've learned from the first year. 
Um, I can relate to that. I, I don't know, that a lot sounds of, like me. A lot of my clients are, are exactly that. Right. More by look than, than design. And so the other areas? The other areas are pretty much everything else. I mean, my, my biggest client is a, a national travel agency chain. Uh, my smallest client has got a market stall and, mm. and you know, no shop. And is it... And when I think of marketing, I think of advertising things. So are you in yeah. ma- uh, putting together magazines? Yeah, so, we, so, so we put social media, we yep. do um, advertising. Um, one, Our Gordon office actually holds a, a license to sell blocks of space on TV and radio. Okay, yeah. um, so we, we can do that as well. Uh, we do um, presentation training, so helping people out with mm-hmm. presentations. Um, we even do secret, secret shopping. So okay. it's everything that yeah. you can think of that you want the outside people to learn about your business. And... I can remember years ago um, with colours and the arches for McDonald's being yellow yep. Yep. because that's supposed to be a colour that attracts. So yep. is the colour thing still... So, yes, so why is your logo tint? got yeah. purple in it? Um, I've got a, on my wall, I've actually got a, um, a psychology of colour chart. Yep. I've um, seen that. Yeah, I've shown it to on you. On his wall? On, okay. on, my, on my wall. And it's um, purple is uh, creative. I think it's creative but... Um, doing mm-hmm. um and there's a load of if you have a look at a lot of the very famous companies of what color their logo yeah. is obviously a lot of thought has gone into a lot of mm. those yeah. and we haven't got a million dollars to sit in a boardroom and discuss color and, and everything else yeah. i find it interesting that green is all about heart and stuff and shell yep is all about is not about heart and giving back to the planet and things like that but that's what green yeah. is all about and also what also some of the colors that companies have gone from and two. Yes. If you look from like the Apple logo, logo originally was a, like a rainbow, and now it's kind of gone onto this chrome kind of thing. So um, the the evolution of a lot of companies. Yes. Um, but co- like colors are interesting, and they do mean different things to different people. Yeah. Um, I love and there's it. certainly themes that go through certain colors. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think yeah. we're going to have to go, Kaz. As again, as always, we've well, run out of time. We certainly have had a journey, Jonathan. Yeah. Certainly haven't. Hopefully, I'm still on it. I've still got a long way to go. Yeah. Yeah. We hope I so. hope you are too. Well, I guess it's goodbye, Jonathan, and thank you for being such an awesome guest. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. It's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from him. Yeah. And what's our last song, He passed away just recently. We can put him in his (laughs) big yellow taxi. (laughs) (laughs) From Counting Crows. Okay. Until next week. Goodbye. You have been listening to Inspiring Pearls of Wisdom with Karen and Kaz. Until next time, may your days be filled with love and gratitude. And remember, we'll see you in the mirror. Namaste. I bow to the divine in you. You have been listening to Inspiring Pearls of Wisdom with Karen and Kaz on Radio Northern Beaches, 88.7 or 90.3. If you've enjoyed our conversations today and you would like more information, please connect with us on our Facebook page, Inspiring Pearls of Wisdom. (laughs) 